0: What's going, everyone? Joe Gagner here. Welcome you to edition number forty-two of Joe vs. the World. My guest today, who appeared way back in episode ten, is the author of the Half Guarded Truth, Truth. The host of Five Star Radio at f 4 wonlinecom and most importantly, he is the man who was right. It's Mike Coughlin, everyone. Mike, how you doing?
1: Uh, Joe, I'm doing great, and I'm yes, I'm still basking in the glory of being right.
0: I couldn't find any triumphant music, but we'll uh, we'll give you some applause if I can find it. <laughs> There you go.
1: Thank you, thank you very much. I'd like to I'd like to thank the academy and uh, all the little people out there who believed in me all oh, along. That p- yeah, was absolutely no. Okay.
0: Much. Well, we are here to discuss Pride 33, the second coming, held last Saturday in Las Vegas, Nevada. Were you able to uh, to see the show as it aired? I know you you I thought you were going to be out of town. You were worried someone would spoil it for you. Uh, someone would mention MMA and give away the results.
1: No, I did not actually get to see it as it aired. I was uh, in Iowa City, of all places, in the weirdest weekend ever, and uh, during a gigantic ice storm visiting my girlfriend. And um, that night, when I got back to her place, I immediately went online and went to the, uh, one of the uh, those uh, BitTorrent sites and down- downloaded the fight before anybody could even have a chance to tell me anything. I turned my cell phone off in case my brother would say anything to me or anything. I got on there and uh, she actually went to go take a shower or something in her dorm, and I'm sitting there in her dorm room, and I'm like screaming with joy at, my, at, her, at, my, at, actually at uh, her computer screen as I'm watching this fight. And I'm sure that there were people walking by wondering what was going on, but uh, it was uh, quite a surreal experience for me, and I uh, loved every second of it.
0: So have you seen uh, all the matches since then?
1: Yeah, I've, I've uh, watched the whole show. What would you think
0: of it uh, overall?
1: Um, overall, I thought that uh, you couldn't ask, you can't ask for anything more from the matches. I mean, there was your upsets, and then your, like, Dan Henderson over Vinali Silva, and then your, like, your unthinkable upsets, like Sudoku, uh, Sugoju or whatever, Sukoju or something, over uh, Antonio Ogerio Noguera, and uh, you had long fights, and short fights, and quick stoppages, and all-out wars, and submissions, and knockouts, and uh, I just, Absolutely loved it. It reminds you of kind of like a, a supernova explosion because it's really big and bright and pretty. But you know that means it's the end of the star because uh, this could be the last hurrah for Pride.
0: Now that's what I'm hearing. This is this is the opposite of WCW where they were they were dying and they put on terrible shows to uh, accentuate this. But this was a hell of a show. But people are saying this things are, are looking bad for Pride. This may have been the final show ever.
1: Yeah, it, it could be. I mean. I assume that Pride's running either in the red or they're very close to doing so right now. They have no TV in Japan and no real TV in America, and their pay-per-views, despite the last two maybe being two of the maybe the best back-to-back shows of all time any promotion's ever put on, nobody's watching them. So I don't know how they can sustain uh, anything, right? And they, they can't grow, let alone you know prevent losses at the moment.
0: Do we know anything more about a potential sale to UFC or Showtime or Ed Fishman?
1: No, just the normal rumors here and there. I mean, I thought there was something that's going to be coming out this week or next week, but it's just a bunch of rumors in innuendo right now. I don't think that there's anything major at the moment. And I have a feeling that if something does happen, everybody's going to know it pretty darn Mm. quick.
0: I like how Ed Fishman says he'll start his own promotion if he can't buy pride. That's a good idea.
1: Yeah, well, if that's what the world needs right now—one more MMA. Show. Who
0: are you gonna get for this tell ad? But
1: yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I can't, I can I literally can't even make a joke to think about who's out there to get because it would have to be maybe Patrick Smith in the first UFC. <laughs> He's the only guy I can think of at the moment who'd be yeah uh,
0: I did find, uh, watch a good amount of the fights. Uh... Online, I, I did love all the shots of all the the groupies in the crowd, probably left over from the All Star Game the week before. Because uh, hey, if you can't score at LeBron, why not Joachim Hansen?
1: Yeah, there's a. They showed these three girls yes. in like the front row over <laughs> and over again, one of them was kind of overweight, and I kept thinking, I thought they were like fighters' girlfriends or something. But I think they were just like the only people in the crowd, so they had to focus on them the whole time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a little. Do we know what the final? Um... It was. It was kind of thin there to start for the the attendance, but did it round out by the end like a like a boxing card?
1: Yeah, I think that. I mean, just from watching it on TV and everything, it looked like um, there were people there. The, the place is decently full at the end. I mean, I've heard the number like thirteen thousand going around, but I can't really confirm with my sources, which I have none, or anything like that. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't think that it was... I know it wasn't the show that they had back in October from the uh, buzz standpoint and what it meant to the city of Vegas. I think this is just another show at the Thomas & Mack Center for most of the locals in hmm. Vegas.
0: Well, let's jump to the uh, the main match. Your boy, Nick Diaz, beat Takanori Gomi in round two with a Goga Plata in one hell of a fight.
1: Yeah, I... Um I'll call it the greatest fight I've ever seen, and that always has an asterisk by it because obviously Don Fry and Yoshihiro Takayama is the greatest fight ever, and it's one of those deals where it's never going to be surpassed, so it's not fair to compare things to it because that was just surreal in a manner that no one who ever saw it will forget. But this was just absolutely incredible from beginning until the last second there with that go-go plot. I mean, I know I'm a huge Diaz, Mark, so maybe it meant more to me than other people, but I have not heard anybody who watched this fight and did not think that this was one of the greatest fights they ever saw in their life, not just in MMA but in boxing or kickboxing or anything.
0: What What happened to Gomi? It looked like he had a, kind of ran out of gas or he, he kind of gave up uh, in round one.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a combination of probably three separate things. One, it was his first time fighting in the continental United States. He'd fought in uh, Hawaii before. And I think that the jet lag probably affected him a little bit. Two, I don't think he trained as hard as he normally does. He wasn't mentally prepared for it. And three, the fact is that Nick B has punched him in the head a whole lot, and that'll screw with you. You know, I mean, I just watched the fight again. I've watched this fight I think at least a dozen times now. And... And that's not a joke at all. Um I really saw the Takenori Gomi landed about less than 10 punches in the whole fight. And one of them was mm-hmm. huge, and it knocked Diaz down, and it seemed to do a little bit of damage there. But it's not like he was really doing too much. I think the Diaz just hit him so much that, you know, people can say that, oh, Diaz doesn't hit hard or whatever, but... If you're getting hit repeatedly over and over in the head, you don't get a chance to regain your faculties, and that will screw with you eventually. Your breathing will get off because you're getting hit and you're not breathing correctly, and I think that it's just all those things combined, and Takenori only was not the uh, fireball kid of Yeah,
0: everyone was. should try to track this down. If you've never seen MMA, or especially if you've never seen MMA, because this is a level of excitement you'll rarely find in, in pro wrestling, or MMA, actually. hmm yeah, yep. absolutely. Well, on to uh, upset number two, the, the main event. We had Dan Henderson knocking out Wanderlei Silva to win the Pride middleweight title. I uh, thought it was kind of boring for the first two rounds, then Henderson just just thumped him in round three.
1: Yeah, that's uh, about what you can say. I mean, I've, I've now heard that Silva had a 104-degree fever, or he had strep throat or something. All kinds of excuses or reasons, depending on your perspective. For why he didn't look like the Vondolee Silva of old. I think that getting knocked up by Mirko Krokop in a devastating fashion also didn't help. And, um, for some, whatever it was, it was not the Silva that I've seen in the past few years. Um, he seemed to revert back to the Silva of about three or four years ago, which was, I throw a lot of wild hooks inside and out hoping to hit you with something. Whereas more recently, until the Krokov fight, I saw a more refined Vondolee Silva that was using jabs and a little bit more cerebral in his approach. And I think that this time, maybe it's because he's sick or didn't take Henderson seriously or whatever the reason, he seemed more instinctual in his fighting, and he got caught. A spinning back fist started it, and the hook ended it. And that was all she wrote for Von Silva's uh, six-plus-year title reign there.
0: Now, when you hear these excuses after a loss, like they had a torn, torn MCL or a migraine or dysentery, or, do, you, do you just roll your eyes, or, or are there sometimes literal, I mean, uh, validated uh, reasons that someone didn't perform up to the usual standard?
1: Ultimately, there's no reason, because if you, ste- if you step into the cage or ring, then you should be fine. I mean, nobody fights at 100%. I, I don't think any fighter has ever been at 100%. Most people don't walk around at 100% if you're a fighter. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, if you have a severe fever and sickness like Silva had, if it is real, I mean, if he actually had the, the disease, then that's it's valid in the sense that the next time these guys fight, if they have a, a rubber match, which, which would it would be between these two, then it's a reason that if you're handicapping the fight or breaking it down, you would take that into consideration. But I don't think that it really should take away from what Dan Henderson did because I think that even if Silva had been completely healthy, he would have had trouble with Henderson because of Henderson's wrestling ability. And, I mean, like you said, I don't want to discount it too much, but like I say, you step in there, you're then that means you're healthy. If, you, if you're not healthy, don't step in there.
0: What do you think's going to uh, happen to Silva? Has he lost something permanently since the, uh, the Crow Cop fight?
1: It's, um, it's very possible. Um, you gotta remember, he lost to Ricardo Arona pretty decisively in the, uh, Grand, Middleweight Grand Prix, fi- the final round, the first match of that night. He lost pretty decisively. He came back, got a narrow victory over Arona, which was, uh, I thought it was a toss-up fight. Then he got, and he had this, he got crushed by Mark Hunt, which was really maybe the, be- if, when it's all said and done and they write the career in Bondo Silva, the Mark Hunt fight may be the one that people look back and go, that's what did it. Because I'll never forget when Hunt hit him with that punch and Silva went down. And that was the first time you ever saw Vonderly Silva look human. I mean, even before when Vitor Belfort had beat him, it was so quick, so you didn't really think much of it or any of that stuff. But he looks human, and ever since then, he's just been off a little bit. And uh, the Krokop Cop fight... I mean, Silva's been around. He's been knocked out in horrible fashion before, like right? a Vitor Belfort destroyed him in like 49 seconds. So he can't deal with that. And it's, it, 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 look, it could just be that he got he faced Mirko Krokop when Krokop was on, and Krokop's a better striker, and that's why Silva lost. And it could be that he got really, really sick against Dan Henderson, and that's why he lost. But he's also been fighting for long enough now that his career should be winding down, anyways, because he's been in a lot of wars and that much training and that much fighting will break a fighter down eventually.
0: Uh, speaking of Mark Hunt, are we ever going to see Hunt versus Fujita in the Battle of the Iron Ironheads?
1: Um, probably Uh-oh. not, because that would imply that Pride will have yeah. another show. But actually, I, I shouldn't say that. I, I think Pride will have one or two more shows, and that's actually a very good possibility for a fight, because there are actually two of the fighters left mm, in Pride, and it's kind of a, a semi-fresh matchup, and it's... It might be the closest thing Pride has at the moment to a marquee draw for the casual fan because Fujita still means something and Hunt still has a little bit of prestige from his uh, K-1 days. So it's possible those two could fight unless uh, new ownership comes in. And if if the UFC buys Pride, I don't know if we'll necessarily see things like that take place again. But yeah, it's possible we could see these two in a head contest. (laughs) absolutely.
0: Uh, On to Dan Henderson, who is now the simultaneous welterweight and middleweight champ. We know Randy Couture had won belts in two different weight classes, but not at the same time. Is this as impressive as it sounds?
1: Um, It's ridiculously impressive. I mean, Dan Henderson, I think, weighed in at 200 Mm. pounds, which means that's what he probably walks around at. And I think he probably put on a little bit of muscle for this fight. I think that he could walk around at 190 pounds and and actually fight at 190 pounds. And that's what Matt Hughes walks around. I mean, when Matt Hughes walks around his farm farming, he's 190 pounds. Mm. That's what size Dan Henderson is. And he's fighting at 185 pounds, 183, whatever they call it, and 205 pounds, holding two titles at the same time. It would be more impressive if Henderson hadn't looked kind of bad last mm. year. He, he looked like when he lost to Mizaki. I think that knocked Henderson down a little bit. But the fact is, is that this isn't like a – like a guy coming down from heavyweight to something. This is a guy that went up a weight class and won it. And uh, I I always thought that the the guy with the best chance of ever winning a title in two divisions would probably be uh, BJ Penn. I thought he could do it at 155 and 170. And I still think he could do it. But uh, what Henderson's doing right here is really awesome. I and mean, you got to give the guy all the credit in the world. Two simultaneous titles and very, very deep divisions. I mean, Pride's uh, middleweight and light heavyweight divisions are very stacked. So uh, all the props in the world to him. And they're not paper titles or anything. It's not like they created like a 176-pound title that he could walk around and pretend that he's a champion. I mean, he's a real champion at both of those weights. He beat Marilla Bustamante to win the middleweight championship, and he beat Vondelis Silva to, be, to win the light heavyweight championship. Those two guys are about as good as it gets at those weights. So uh, all the credit in the world to Dan
0: Henderson. I like how he had an American home mortgage on his ass.
1: Yeah, I, I, um, Pete Ortiz has that as a sponsor me. also. I don't know what is going on, but there's some mortgage company, and I think I'm guessing the, the president must be a big MMA fan. It's just the only explanation because I don't know what mortgage <laughs> is. I don't
0: know if seeing some guy kick ass would make me want to get a mortgage with this this group.
1: Yeah, oh man, did you see that knockout? Oh, I get that low equity interest rate at a fixed residual income of three percent or something.
0: Now I can buy a house. Oh boy. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, on to. Well, maybe if you, if you bet on the right guy. Yeah,
0: well, if you uh, bet on. Uh, uh, Nick Diaz, maybe you could buy a house, but
1: yeah, or a su- sudoku, yeah. Speaking
0: though. of uh, Sudoku, which uh, he just he knocked out Antonio Noguera in 23
1: seconds. What the hell happened? I have no idea. Uh, some people said, "Oh, Pride shouldn't have made this match. It's so bad they ruined Rogerio, as a title contender." I'm sorry, Sudoku, Sudoku, <laughs> Siko, Sikoju, Sikoju was like two and one or three and one in his career. He's Still a novice as a sport. This was designed as a squash, and it should have been. He just caught Noguera. And, and, and Hosherio has a good shin, too. I mean, uh, Murcio Shogun Hua landed devastating punches and kicks on him, knocked him down, but never knocked him out. So he can take a punch with the best of them. Uh, Alistair Overeem couldn't knock him out, and Sokoju just caught him with something weird. Noguera was leaning down into it. Sukoju was just throwing something wacky and crazy, and You know, stuff happens in fighting sometimes. Weird, weird things can happen in a fight. So uh, so next time a a guy is a a plus 1,000 favorite, maybe people throw a dollar on him. Sure.
0: The only other fight I saw was uh, Shogun Hua beating uh, Alistair Overeem in a fun little fight.
1: Yeah, it was a good little battle, pretty much like I thought it would. Um, Alistair Overeem is one of those guys that if you ever put it together and uh, got in really good shape and developed a good sprawl, He'd be really tough for people to beat because his stand-up is outstanding. But he's got a weakness on the ground, and Shogun Hua hit him with the greatest, the most effective ground-and-pound in MMA history. One punch, and he was out. You can't ask more of a guy's ground-and-pound than what Shogun He
0: just did. thumped him with his fist.
1: Yeah. It was just like I'm looking at it and go, I've seen guys do the diving punch, too. I've seen guys leap through a guard, throw a punch. Never seen it connect and knock a guy out like that.
0: Right. Anything else from the show I should uh, track down? I hit all the big matches, but...
1: Yeah, uh, Hayato Sakurai over Mac Dancing was an awesome fight. Um, if, P- if Gomi and Diaz didn't do what they did, people would have been talking about that as the fight of the night. It was really, really fun to watch. Kind of one-sided, but still fun. Um, Joachim Hansen's fight was uh, another solid one. And uh, outside of that... And Frank Trigg's fight over Kazuo Misaki... Was uh, the worst fight of the night by a wide margin, but it was—it wasn't like it was awful. It's not like you were sitting there going, "Oh, this is going to kill the sport." <laughs> my friends who don't watch MMA see this; they'll never see this again. Oh. So uh, when that's your worst fight, you—you you know you've got a pretty good show. Easily the uh, best show, probably of the year, of all time. Most likely a top five show of all time, highlighted by uh, Diaz and Gomez is one of the Probably top two or three fights in the history of MMA, and that's saying a lot. Yeah,
0: track this one down, kids. Uh, Take it from me.
1: On Mm -hmm. to UFC.
0: We have uh, another pay-per-view this weekend. It kind of snuck up on me. UFC 68, the uprising. All right, Mr. Prognostication. Uh, Tim Sylvia, Randy Cochera, why don't you pick me a
1: winner? I know. I got all this pressure on me now because I got one fight right for once in my life. You got a lot of Um, other fights wrong on the show, I noticed. Yeah, well me and everybody else. I mean yeah. goodness gracious. If you bet the underdog on this show, you'd have been a millionaire. But uh I'm my heart is with Randy Couture. My anger is against <laughs> him, Sylvie because I really don't like him as a as a as a champion at all. He's he's the only guy in all of them. I mean he values his title more than anybody else. He really loves being champion. And I think it, the and it's not just me, a lot of people don't like him as champion. And I think it's because everybody's like Everybody knows having a UFC title means something. And when Tim Sylvia has it, they know he's not the best fighter. They know he's not even clearly, he's not even close to it. He doesn't deserve it, but he's still got it and it really irks you. But, I mean, if I'm being honest, I have to just look at this and say, Tim Sylvia knocks out Randy Couture. It's just, he's too big and he hits too hard. And Couture's just too old. It's just too many twos in one sentence there. And it's just going to happen I hope Randy wins. I mean, it, it would be the only. It would be so beyond great. It would be ten times more impressive than what he did when he went down to light heavyweight, which at the time was maybe the most impressive feat of the past of uh, recent history. But uh, I just think old Tim Sylvia is going to get a win, and it's it's going to be important for him too. It's going to kind of solidify him as a a real champion en route to uh, getting knocked out by Krokop.
0: Yeah, so my next question, uh, could I, the man, beat Krokop?
1: Uh, no, um, no. I'm, okay, it could happen because Tim Sylvia hits very hard, and he's got a lot of reach, so he could throw a right punch down the pipe and knock out Krokop. Uh, Couture, if he was you know five years younger, absolutely, but that's just... Uh Anybody could beat Krokop because Krokop doesn't train as hard as he should. He's kind of like Takanori Gomi in that regard. He's not always at his best, so he can get caught in an off night. But I think that for a UFC world title fight, he would be at his best. So, uh, no, I, I would have both of these guys as a prohibitive underdog against uh, Miracle Krokop.
0: All right. Also on the card, we have Matt Hughes and Chris Lytle. And Rich Franklin against Jason the Athlete McDonald, and I guess the the biggest names on the show.
1: Yeah, um, yeah Matt Hughes should walk through Chris Lytle without any issue. Uh, Nick Diaz beat Chris Lytle years ago, and there's actually Diaz's second fight in his career to beat Chris Lytle, and uh, Matt Hughes is maybe, maybe a little bit better than Nick Diaz. But, uh, yeah, Matt, uh, Matt Hughes should just have his way with Lytle. Um, although he it might not be as decisive as it could have been a year or two ago, because Hughes is coming off an overwhelmingly destructive knockout uh, against George St. Pierre, sometimes when guys come back from those type of, uh, devastating losses, they're not what they once were. They kind of play it cautious. I know that when, uh, BJ Penn beat him, his next fight was against Renato Taruto Verissimo, and, uh, Hughes looked awful in that fight. Almost lost in the first round, and, uh, I actually had him lose the fight on the cards. But, uh, so he, he might be a little off on this fight, but he, he should still beat Chris Lytle, and it shouldn't be too much of an issue. And, uh, say, everything I said about Man Hughes goes, uh, for rich franklin coming off a horrible loss biggest loss of his career got his face literally shattered i mean his nose was crooked and turned around and in ways that the nose wasn't designed to look and uh jason mcdonald is uh he's okay i mean he's obviously you know he's got his wins over ed herman and chris lieben but realistically rich franklin's a top five middleweight and uh, McDonald's not cracking the top 15, so Rich Franklin should win this. It should be by knockout, and it would have been, but, again, coming off a loss, maybe not so much. We'll have to see.
0: We also have the battle of the shitty nicknames. We have Jason the Gizzard Gilliam versus Jamie the Worm Varner. Yeah. yeah.
1: These guys, uh, <laughs> I actually, I remember I was, under uh, UFC.com thing, I was looking at this the other week, and, uh, what's the say? of the gizzard, said something like, you know, a gizzard eats a worm. <laughs> uh, Terrible. It was the worst, it was the worst trash talking I've <laughs> ever heard. Just insult the guy's mother and sister. Just stick with the good classic. Don't talk about gizzards eating worms. But uh, I'm going to go with the worm. <laughs> okay. To, uh, it, uh, do
0: you have a buy rate prediction? This uh, seems like a one match show to me as far as interest goes.
1: Um. Yeah, I think that this should do six to seven hundred thousand buys. I mean, Matt Hughes is a big name. Rich Franklin's a decently sized name. And, uh, Tim Sylvia is an awful name, but Randy Couture is a legend. And he's been built up in such a way that he, his last fight was the first fight of the boom. So all these new fans, these million plus people that bought Liddell Ortiz and, uh, Ortiz Shamrock and Hugh St. Pierre, they've seen him. They've heard about him. And, He's got like that mythical status of oh, this is it's like Babe Ruth come back. Everybody would go to watch Babe Ruth play baseball, and if you had one chance to see Randy Couture, I mean, they sold like seventeen or eighteen thousand tickets or whatever in Ohio. I think this is going to do a pretty good buy rate, and I hope so. I want Randy to get this big old fat paycheck so he can maybe not get hurt anymore. Yeah,
0: I would. Uh, I don't blame him at all for coming back for a paycheck.
1: Yeah, I'll fight anybody in the world. Oh, yeah, that's $2. true. I'll, I'll beat on my mom <laughs> for two months. Uh,
0: then we have UFC 69 Shootout, George St. Pierre versus Matt Serra. But the big news, Luke Kumo back in action on this show. He takes on Josh Haynes.
1: Yeah, Josh, I uh, used to fight at 205 pounds, and now I'm 170 pounds. And uh, he's got to have at least five pounds of uh, skin on his body. Because I know you used to weigh like 300 pounds at one point, point. he's Really come down and weight. Uh, same story as Joe Riggs. Joe Riggs used to be 300 pounds and he'd come down to 170. But uh, yeah, old uh, the nerd himself, the uh, hero to all Star Wars fans, Luke Kumo, coming back. I don't. Know, I don't think he's a big Star Wars fan. He's just a weird. He's dude. just a weird dude. And uh, that that that, that could be kind of fun. Haynes is kind of sloppy, and Kumo's kind of has very unor- unorthodox striking. So uh, I hope Luke Kumo gets a win there. I want to see him yeah. more.
0: And then we have UFC 70 from England. Is this going to be on HBO?
1: I have no idea. I read something today that said that it ah, was not going to be broadcast at 2 p.m. in the <sighs> afternoon. But uh, I, I have no clue what they're going to do with this. I think that they just threw out the pay-per-view thing. It, it could just be misleading. It could just be that they don't have the HBO deals finalized yet. Who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. It's too too many months in advance.
0: Yeah, I hope this is on HBO because this looks like a hell of a show.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Gabriel Gonzaga versus Michael Krokop and uh, Forrest Griffin versus Leoto Machida, which should be maybe that could be just the light heavyweight fight of the year mm. right there. I mean, that could just be awesome.
0: We also, have Andrei Arlovski versus Fabricio Verdum, and uh, Michael Bisping, of course, on the show against Elvis sinisic
1: yeah, the Battle of the uh, British Commonwealth there. Um uh I from Australia, in case people don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, another it's its amazing how much talent the UFC has. Because this is, I think, three shows in a row. It's pretty pretty good cards right there. I mean, nothing compared to what Pride did, but what Pride just did was an admira- uh, aberration in the world. So, uh, yeah, it looks really good. I hope to see it. I wanted to see it on HBO because... The Chicago land still does not have H D UFC and I know HBO is in H D, so that'd be fantastic to see that.
0: I want it on HBO because I can see it for free pretty much.
1: Yeah, there's also that added benefit. Save yourself forty yeah. bucks.
0: And it looks like we're gonna get Chuck Liddell against Quentin Rampage Jackson, sometime during the year, maybe not uh New Year's Eve, but a bit sooner than that.
1: Yeah, um they I they wanted May. Quentin Jackson said he didn't want May. My guess right now is August. I I would guess August, I think, or unless Little Fate fights in May, then it'll probably be September, October. Hopefully, Quinton gets one more fight under his belt. Uh, You know, Stefan Bonner type, somebody like that. He can look impressive, and then match goes two up, and uh, watch the cash Mm -hmm. roll in.
0: All right, on to Heroes, I guess. Looks like they're still making their U.S. debut in May or June with Brock Lesnar against Choi Hungman. Heroes are in a lot of trouble. Uh, Yoshihiro Akiyama suspended indefinitely. Kid Yamamoto training for the Olympics. Let's say Brock wins his fight. He's only under a one fight deal. Would you stay with Heroes knowing they need you very badly, or would you try your luck elsewhere, somewhere more solvent like EXC or maybe even the UFC?
1: Uh, if I'm Brock Lesnar, I go with whoever pays me the most. It's just that simple. I don't. I don't worry about long term or anything because. I think that uh, his future in MMA, unless he, unless it clicks, unless he becomes like he's a prodigy at it, and he could be, he uh, went to pro wrestling very, very well. But uh, I mean, just make as much money as you can. I think EXC may be the place for him. IFL won't get him. Bulldog could because they got a lot of money and they're just throwing around. But I could see EXC getting him because the UFC may not want to pay that much for a guy who's unproven and EXC needs somebody to make a big mark so they could overpay for someone. I mean, if uh, they're offering Brandon Vera like 000, 000 a million dollars a fight, I assume Brock Lesnar should get at least, at least that much Yeah. Uh,
0: speaking of EXC, uh, well, actually, I never, we, actually you, we, we did a, uh, a show that did not record, very sadly, just before the EXC debut. Uh, what did you think of that, that show and EXC's potential future?
1: I thought it was an overall was a pretty decent show, with the exception obviously the main event was a bit of a Mm -hmm. letdown. But the main event then builds for the next show very very well. Um, Gina Carano, just everybody talks about her and for good reason. She just total package. You couldn't couldn't ask for more. And uh, just overall a decent show. Um, I don't I still don't know why it was in Missouri was or Mississippi whatever one of the M- MS states. initials. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it was there, but other than that, I mean, it w- it was as good as, I think it was as good as you could ask them to do for their first show from a company that really doesn't know exactly what it's trying to be yet and doesn't have the headliners of the UFC at the moment. I mean, they, they put forth their best effort and uh, they, made, they made a star in Carano and they set up a rematch and, Shamrock and Gracie, and that's about as good as you can ask for a promotion.
0: Do you think Dana White's uh, was kind of kicking himself after the uh, Gina Carano uh, fight got over so well?
1: Um, it's possible, but I, I don't. I really don't think so. I don't. I really don't think Dana White wants it. I mean, I, I've seen interviews. He said he doesn't want women on his shows. And I think he really believes that. I, I think that he doesn't see a market for women fighting right now, and, and he could be right. Um, obviously, that got over huge, but the reality is, is that if Gina Carano is not really attractive, nobody wants to watch women mm. fight. I mean, they had a, what, they, what those two girls did was an awesome fight. I mean, it, it was drag down, knockout, slobber knocker like. And if they both been ugly, you wouldn't have cared because that fight wasn't great. But that's not what every fight fight's going to be. I and mean, there's going to be a lot of women's fights that are going to be boring because there's a lot of fights that are boring. And uh, if you have a hot chick like Gina Carano, always forgiven basically for a long, long time. I mean, they'll be very forgiving. But without her there, women's MMA just isn't a market. And I don't know if you necessarily bring in something just for one person. But, I mean, if you're EXC, you do because you need to It make something different. But the UFC right now, I guess they probably got enough at the moment. But, you know, you can always use more. So maybe they should have grabbed her for uh, TV purposes mm. at least.
0: Do you think we'll see uh, Shamrock Baroni or the um – uh shamrock Gracie rematch first
1: um they sh- it should be shamrock Gracie, but i think it will be shamrock brony because that's just how the contracts and their deal works out and i think the strike force people might feel a little jerked around because they've already been kind of had the rug pulled out from under them they played nice and they agreed to a new deal and all that or whatever so i think that shamrock brony comes up first and uh Oof, that's not good for old Frank Shamrock. That there. could be quite bad.
0: Well, I mean, uh, EXE they have the, the three-year deal with Showtime. They're in it for, I, I guess, the long haul. Do you see any kind of uh, you know comparable growth? Not with UFC, but you know, th- this could be a company that has its own identity and has its own stars down the line.
1: Um, it, it could be. Um, I think that they're always going to kind of be number two. Yeah. They're always going to be a second fiddle. Unless they go out there and they make a huge push, push, and they overpay, and they give, like, Tito Ortiz, like, $10 million for a fight to really kind of make a mark. But the fact is that Showtime is, is not HBO, and just because it's paid TV doesn't mean it has nearly the marquee of an HBO. I mean, like, when you're listening to your local talk radio or whatever, if something's on HBO, people talk about it. If it's the Sopranos or Deadwood or whatever, I mean, HBO just kind of means classy TV or whatever. Showtime just just doesn't have that. I mean, and I, I'm not trying to say like a homophobe here, but half of HBO's biggest shows have to do with gay people. I mean, Queer as Folk and The L Word is, is Showtime's biggest shows right now. And I think they're very good shows or whatever, but it's not quite what HBO is right now. All right, on to Podok Fight. <laughs> have you bought- and I, I know I'm going to get in trouble for that. I, I really don't mean that to be a homophobic statement or anything. It's just... They've got a lot of gay shows it's that's true in a good way good gay good
0: gay sure as opposed to the the bad yeah. gay way I guess but on to yeah. bodog fight have you have you bothered with any of the the Bodog shows
1: yeah I've, been, I've really? watched them all so far just because it's MMA on TV and it's an hour long show and they usually show two fights and you don't have to pay attention to anything else and uh, I'll watch fights 24/7 if I could so yeah I mean crappy venue that they're at i mean the st petersburg grand hall or whatever <laughs> it is or uh rasputin once worshipped or something <laughs> that's, that's where they're fighting out of but i mean yeah it, they're fun i mean they're just it's grown men fighting and uh mike brown versus eve edwards is been in the fight i've remembered the most so far and uh, that was a good solid fight I and mean, that's a really good fight so uh like i say grown men fighting i'm not going to turn it off but I might be the only person watching it right
0: now. You may be the youngest person watching it because it may just be old people who fell asleep after uh, Matlock or whatever. Yeah. I honestly yeah, really. <laughs> was watching this.
1: <laughs> after Murder, She Wrote went off. and Oh, my gosh. Nothing makes you look like more of a Bush League promotion when you're on ION TV and you watch these commercials for this stuff. And <laughs> I mean, I always think that you can figure out what kind of person you are just by what dem- like advertisers think you are. Like, if you watch Raw you realize, boy, I must be like a I am a kid with acne and I like video games or something. And if you if you watch the Super Bowl you're like, I'm an alcoholic who likes T Vs and sports stuff. And then if you watch Ion on T V you realize you're you're like nine hundred years old and your name's Methuselah. I mean they got the like they got T V shows that are so old like you've maybe heard of them but you've never seen them and your grandma maybe watched them when she was fifty once. So Boy, they're just totally the old it's gotta be the oldest Demographics on all TV—just nothing can even come close to Ion Television.
0: Correct. We haven't heard anything about ratings, have we? Not that they can probably calculate them.
1: It's probably the scratch—the too low to calculate yeah. ratings points. It can't be anything big.
0: It's, it's hard to criticize Bodog because this guy doesn't care about making money. He just wants his own fight promotion with him on TV, and he's accomplishing his goals.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I, was a, if, I mean look, if I was a billionaire, I would do exactly what Calvin Ayer is doing. I mean, I'd buy a baseball team, and I'd buy a fight promotion. And I'd just put on the fights that I want to see. That's what I'd do if I was a billionaire, so uh, good for him. He's sure. Time. you got to spend that money. No point in having a billion dollars. You're not going to spend That's a good money. point.
0: Uh, so would there ever be a point where there's MMA on TV, and you're just like, eh, no thanks?
1: Uh No. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll pretty much watch everything. Wow. <laughs> It, it's it's a golden age right now, and I'm guessing in two or three years, uh, at least half of these promotions are gone. I mean, it, UFC will be there, and likely EXC, just because of the TV deal. I don't know about the IFL. Bodog, I think Calvin Air's attention span will fall off a cliff, and he will not care about this thing in a few years, and... Uh, Heroes won't be here in America and pride will be gone. So it'll be, I'm just, you gotta enjoy it while it's here. When it rains, it pours so you get out your buckets, you collect the water for another dry yeah. spell. Well,
0: speaking of the IFL, uh, if you have any stock it may not be a bad time to dump it.
1: Yeah, I saw that. Their uh, <laughs> stock is kind of going down a little bit from uh, abnormally high stock. Remember when they saw like the value of the company is like $800 million and the New York Yankees I think like $900 million and they're only the most famous baseball franchise in, in baseball history, and they have a worldwide appeal. And IFL is on Fox Sports, Net and My Network TV. I'm sure those are two very comparable, yeah, pieces of a uh, company right there.
0: Yeah, I think people are realizing uh, IFL model of teams uh, that's just not going to work in an individual sport.
1: Yeah, I just um, I, I don't know how you make a sport. It, Obviously it happened before. I mean clearly baseball started and one time there was no baseball and now there's baseball and there was no football and then there was football and but in the past whatever how many dozens of years, I mean outside of the AFL I don't think anybody ever started a league that did anything. It's just it's really tough to start yeah. leagues. It's just not something you you do. It's just not how it yeah. works.
0: And uh that being said, I, I kind of wish we had our own team up in New England, because uh, it could be worse than the Celtics right now.
1: I mean, <laughs> yeah, hopefully your team, if you have an IFL team up there, you'll lose like 20
0: <laughs> Yeah, that team wouldn't even get a draft pick.
1: <laughs> yeah, really. They'd just be like, you're so awful. <laughs> you're gonna, we're we're going to penalize you. you. We're actually going to – the team's so bad, they're going to take players away. Oh. Or fighters away, or whatever they. Call I mean, it.
0: if you're running shows at uh, Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, why not have a team?
1: Come on. Yeah, I mean, it, it would make sense. I mean, you know, New England, Boston, big, pretty big market. Last I checked, I mean, there's a few people living yeah. there, so why not? I mean, they got like eight. I mean, there's already enough sports franchises up there. They can what's one more? Yeah. You know?
0: Really? I mean, you have the Chicago Russian guys.
1: Oh yeah, the red the
0: red bears red bears. bears.
1: Red Bears, that's what we are. Red Bears. It go along with the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bears, the Chicago Cubs, and the White Sox and the female Bulls the, the the sky and the Arena League team and the professional soccer team and the indoor soccer team and then the women's weightlifting team, then the college basketball boys team, then the jugglers team, or I don't know. I just eight there's a billion freaking franchises around here. So uh I'm sure the Chicago uh, Red Bears will fit right in. I'm, I'm sure the the, uh, the city's really clamoring for a combination of uh, Soviet communist <laughs> reds and the Chicago Bears. I think that's where the name comes from, the reds of the communists and the – just rip off the local bears. I guess, you know. yeah.
0: All right, I guess uh, last question. Give me percentage odds on Kurt Angle ever doing a shoot fight.
1: Uh, uh 0% Zero, Zero unless somebody Zero. jumps in and out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Daniel
1: Pewter although it's very possible that Kurt Angle could get strung out in some sort of like drug induced wacky behavior wake up like in a hotel room like in a, in a stupor and walk into an, uh, the lobby and start fighting people <laughs> thinking he's in a dream or something like something like, like Kurt Angle I think is like on his way to becoming like the MMA or pro wrestling version of Hunter S. Thompson—he's going to be in a totally altered state all the time, fighting imaginary devils. I mean, you'd call him Don Quixote. He'll be t- tilting at the windmills, fighting imaginary foes for the rest of his life. Well,
0: he thinks uh, Matt Hughes is coming after him. But it's just the bellboy in the hotel.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he's pounding <laughs> some guy. I hate you, Teo Ortiz. I hate you. And it's just some dude. What the heck is going Who's on? The shoe shine Why guy. Why he fighting the coat rack? <laughs> Oh,
0: boy. Well, that's all I had, unless you had anything else you you felt the need to get off your chest on a show, not your own radio show.
1: No, not at all. You know, I'll be uh, recording five-star radio tomorrow or Thursday or someday in the next two days. I'm actually having to do more preparation for this show than ever before because I've got a lot of glorious songs and drops and quotes from Nick Diaz and all kinds of fun stuff. And the best of all, this show at F4WOnline.com – Will be free, so every one and all, everybody can listen to me as I bask in the glory of the Nick Diaz victory. And this, I'm the uh, one man bandwagon driving maniac, and I'm very. Proud this may be
0: a 10 hour show, uh, so you'll get your money's or your lack of money's worth. Uh,
1: it's very um, it's very tricky. The last time I had a free show it was an hour and 50 minutes, and that was an accident. It just it wasn't supposed to be that long. Now I've been trying to keep the shows lately at, at one hour exactly. My goal is to hit. One zero zero on the clock and make it perfect. But this week I got like an hour at least of Diaz glory to go through. So people might have to fast forward to a little bit if they get sick of me, uh, toot my own horn. Doesn't happen very often, so I gotta brag about it. Whenever.
0: Actually, this show when I started the show, I deemed no show would go longer than a half hour, and uh, that this has gone out the window. I think uh, pretty much every show.
1: Yeah, that does that. That was mine too. When I, when I first show, I thought oh, if I can get half an hour, that'd be perfect. It was like 45 minutes. Yeah. I thought, wow. You just, you get talking, you don't realize how much you got to talk about. Yeah.
0: So I want to thank you for being on. Always a great time uh, to have you on for, oh, our, for our, our, semi, our twice a year MMA show. We'll get you on down the line to uh, discuss more MMA. The nice thing is, even though uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I had you on, we had a whole bunch of new stuff to talk about. So that's a good thing about the, the wacky world of MMA.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, ever-changing, always uh, improving That's right. so well, far.
0: I encourage everyone to go to F4WOnline.com this week. You can listen to the Mike's show for free. Uh, if you sign up, you can listen to it every week along with plenty of other audio. You'll get uh, plenty of bang for your buck, so to speak. You can visit my websites at TheCubsFan.com or com for a full archive of shows including Mike's previous appearance, Episode 10, which I do recommend because he completely carried me through with my very minimal knowledge of MMA. Not that it's not still minimal, but it's much less minimal. Or it's more so than it was
1: before. All
0: right, do you have any final words, Mike?
1: Uh, No, none at all, Joe. Just thanks uh, for having me. Thank you, Nick Diaz, for uh, winning. And thank you, Takanori Goldman. Yes, thank
0: you, Nick Diaz. And I thank everyone for listening, and I will talk to you soon.